Hello there. Welcome along to the uh, podcast Sport and Life. Spit it out, son. It is Monday, the 16th of November, 2020. I hope you're well. I hope you had a good weekend. I worked yesterday, went out for a rainy walk Saturday, but had a good time with the family. Got back in time for a roast dinner last night, which was good. Thank you uh, for listening to the podcast, clicking on the button. Thank you, as ever, to the sponsors, local to me, Bang Olufsen of Cheltenham and Serene AV, specialists in some of the finest home entertainment brands, providing solutions based around high-quality customer service and installations. Thank you to Jason Briggs and his team. Head to the Bang Olufsen Cheltenham, the B&O Cheltenham social media to get in touch with them, get the numbers off the website. And through that company, Serene AV, it's not just Bang Olufsen equipment. They will source for you or design your home entertainment system around very much a kind of free agent in that respect just have the franchise for Bang Olufsen in Cheltenham and good people good to get in touch with thank you to the good people of Cytoplan as well food-based supplement company based in Hanley Swan just northwest of here around 35 minutes drive or so outside of Malvern on the way to Malvern from Cheltenham where I am in the west of England beautiful picturesque village and they dispense and make food-based supplements just to kind of make sure with particularly trace elements in mind like selenium and zinc omega fish oils, all that kind of stuff uh, to just tip top shape to try and kind of complete our diets, whatever our diets may be. And it's interesting to see that our diets, even for those of us who may have a weight issue, tend to be calorically lower than people of previous generations who were able to get enough, say, selenium, zinc, iron, if you're a woman, from a bigger food intake because they're physically active, probably doing manual jobs, that kind of stuff. Whereas we're not now, so we're taking in less calories and perhaps not getting the nutrition, the micronutrition we need. So my father, who's Dr. Mark Draper, is a general practitioner in the Cotswolds in the center of England, not far from here, and also has been a micronutritionist obsessed with soil samples, particularly soil samples in the UK and, and what's deplete and what's replete and uh, concerned about selenium and zinc levels in particular. Vitamin D3 over the winter, I know, has been linked to COVID and covering from COVID more quickly if you have good vitamin D3 levels. So everything in, involved in supplementation, I think for me, there's a per persuasive argument that I've taken supplements for 20, 25 years, so all of my adult life and beyond into my teenage years. So I don't know, I've got no comparison, but a big believer in Cytoplan, which you can go to cytoplan.co.uk, C-Y-T-O-P-L-A-N.co.uk, and my discount code is DRAPER10R. D-R-A-P-E-R, -E all capital letters, the numbers one zero and the capital letter R, the immune complete range, which if you're an adult male like me, immune complete two is the key one um, for menstruating women and for children. It's immune complete one, which has a holistic kind of one-stop shop of, of all the things you need micronutritionally to, to keep you going through the winter with no sunshine around or less sunshine around. Anyway, thank you for hitting on the uh, button, listening to the podcast. This is a powerful conversation with an intriguing character not far from here in Stroud in Gloucestershire Lee Alice former professional boxer former mixed martial arts professional fighter as well when it sport was in its relative embryonic stages in the UK he knows Mark Weir who's appeared on the podcast who is an MMA former UFC fighter and trainer in Gloucester and Lee Alice has a really compelling story he's now an actor he's appeared in this country on past episodes of the podcast I've had Paul Cooper who plays Martin Mucklow on the sort of mockumentary set around here in, in, in the sort of uh, Gloucestershire countryside as well. I've had him on the podcast. I've had his son, Charlie Cooper, who plays Curtin, I guess one of the, the two main characters on the podcast. And, and Lee Alice was on there as a cameo role. And he's building a portfolio. Recently did a film uh, on a serious note, playing his father. His father, Tony Alice, was shot dead in 1990 when Lee, I believe, was 14 at the time, was involved, actually shot as part of that, recovered from his father's loss, still searching justice for his father, and we try, don't mention any sort of names or any accusations specifically about anything in this, but it's uh, a, certainly a sore subject for him still, as you'd imagine, and something he's struggling to come to terms with. And actually has helped him come to terms with it as being boxing and mixed martial arts, getting that anger and that, that cathartic effect from it. Uh, but I hope you like this. This is Lee Alice of uh, Stroud in Gloucestershire, actor and former professional fighter. And we're recording. Lee Alice, welcome to the podcast. How are you, sir? Yeah, thanks for having me, Ed. I'm very well, thank you, on this lovely, well, nice sunny, sunny morning. 
Yeah, I know. I've got a photo in front of me. We've got, we turned the camera off to get the, the better, better audio, but you've got a picture that almost could be taken today as your, your kind of screen holder there, haven't you? That's, uh, that's, <laughs> that's right, yeah. <laughs> so it's a good, if you're just telling me before we start recording, you've got some chickens and, and some other animals there, man of nature. Yeah, I have. Yeah, I'm lucky where I live. It's on my friend's small holding and I live in like a wooden chalet. Um, it's, it's bigger than a normal flat, to be fair. Awesome. And um, we've got some uh, chickens and ducks and, they, and they're both, they're all the ducks and the chickens are laying eggs. Wow. And I've got uh, a, a tomcat here. That's a friend of mine gave me as a kitten. Yeah. Never had a cat before. He's always, always had dogs, but when I commute a lot, um, mm. it's not fun having a dog, but um, cats are very self-sufficient, but um, he's inside at the moment, killed up in front of the wood burner. <laughs> they sleep all the time, don't they? They come alive at night, my cat. He always wants to hang out and like do stuff at 11 o'clock yeah. at night. And then yeah. he decides to disappear for like a week at a time sometimes as well. So <laughs> that's Tom Cat's for you, isn't it? <laughs> so is he, is he a proper like wild cat? He's not been fixed or anything. He's, he's kind of got the, the testosterone and everything. He's got a testosterone. He, uh, yeah, he hasn't been done yet. I think I'll leave him as he is. Um, yeah. Don't go near him he now. Spray him <laughs> Let him be a proper man. Yeah, that's exactly. <laughs> yeah, I know. You do feel sorry for pets. I know why we have to do it, but then they sort of become really lethargic, don't they? Male pets, when you when you castrate them, they uh, they, yeah, they lose, I, lose energy. I think it's every female says, "Oh, you need to get him castrated." I said, "Yeah, you do that." Joking, he said, "You do that to one of men if you could." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that vasectomy is a big call to make. I know people have got a lot of kids do it, but it's a it's a big call because there's no going back. I guess well, maybe they can no, go back absolutely. now. I think, but um, it's uh, it, that's a great scene. So, are you sort of going back and forth, say, commuting to do acting jobs and things? Is that mostly that's in London? Cool. Yeah, that is Ed. Yeah, although with this um, current climate, mm. the COVID nineteen, a lot of the auditions now are all self tapes, if not all of them now. Really? So obviously it's for safety reasons, and you basically video yourself with a with a decent background and, and sound, and then them um, just email, email them off. Wow. It's the beauty of modern technology. It's amazing now, really. Yeah. Um, How do yeah, you find so that? How do you find that? Can you get up for it? Can you get the adrenaline you need to to do a performance? It's it's a, a catch twenty two, really, it's because. It's like when, when you actually go to London and you get that, it's, I say sometimes it's a bit like before a fight, you get that bit of adrenaline rush. Although mm. you obviously not going to get punched in the head, you're not going to get risk of getting knocked out. <laughs> so it sometimes probably does give you an edge. But yeah. at the same time, when you do it on your, on your own, you can, um, you've got plenty of time to sort of readjust it and go over it and you're more relaxed. Mm. And it's a lot quicker. It saves the, obviously the, the money in commuting to, on the train to mm. London. Um, so it's a it's just, too, really. just accepting when you're done is it that's the key i suppose if you keep trying to redo it and, and, and that, that, this is it I, I come in and do it minimal times so i think mm. the more you do it it can probably get more it's it, it horses of course for each different person individually but sometimes the first two or three takes are probably the best ones sometimes yeah yeah you know? yeah i bet yeah and it's interesting because my only insight really is the practicalities of acting and i've had actually had charlie cooper from from this life on the podcast as well and, and spoken to him but my brother i met him i did a small scene for them yeah. in this country and um he's a really nice guy charlie i met we went to i went to the screening of the the second series of this country and we we, we saw him down there we had a brief chat he's a nice awesome. guy really nice yeah because what, what part what part did you play in this country you played um was it in the bowls club or something is that right um i was just you don't actually briefly see me i think poking my head out of van window basically my character is gary spud hemmings um, <laughs> I, I sell him all the dodgy hoovers oh um, brilliant the, the, oh, yeah. oh that they're martin mucklow stocks in the in the lord that's Bowls club. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it's very funny because when i first had the audition i hadn't heard of the program at that time and then um, so i watched the very first season and i loved it it's brilliant yeah. great concept it's so funny yeah so it's, funny. A, it's amazing because living in gloucestershire i thought oh it's really pertinent here and i actually i was born in london but i grew up mostly in malvern just up the road so it's not far away yeah. sim similar really vibe cool. but then there people like tom white who's a presenter at sky with me he's he grew up in annick in the northeast and he said he could yeah. identify with it like, i think a lot of people could identify couldn't it the eccentric rural kind of yeah, scene you, you can it's just it's, you know and some people are like that you know not everybody obviously yeah. is, is an exaggeration yeah. but it's brilliant but you could like you said you can identify with it. I mean, it's br brilliantly done. Yeah. Um, uh, I, was supposed have, I was supposed to have another scene on there, but unfortunately got scrapped. I'd love to do something else with them. It's oh, a, a man. It's a great, it's a brilliant programme. Yeah, hopefully, yeah they keep, you know. hopefully they keep going, because I guess it's difficult to keep the sort of the narratives going. Well, this is it. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's hard. There is rumours they might do something else, but we'll see. We'll see. Mm. But yeah, yeah, very, very funny. Very funny. <laughs> I mean, you talk about based in reality. I mean, it's so funny. Charlie told me there was literally a girl when they were growing up in Sirencester who would say to other women when they arrived in the town, I can either punch you now 
or I'll make your life a living hell. So people yes, but, go and yeah, get plunged. I mean, it's just like, but this is real. This is like, you don't read about this in the news. This is like what happens in small communities yeah, sometimes. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's so so surreal, but um, yeah, because the acting, my brother, my brother did it for a little bit. He went to drama school, and then he had an agent for a little bit. But he's now sort of focusing yeah. on music. He's my baby brother, and he's right. a sing, singer songwriter. But he said it was so Brilliant. strange that that experience of going for you know in the real world the physical audition of just lining up outside. And he said the weird thing was you were only ever gutted if the person got the part who looked like you because said so often it was just like they were looking for a certain type of person. And if you yeah. didn't fit that, you didn't feel bad about it. It wasn't necessarily about your acting. Yeah, exactly. And this is the thing with it because um, it's everybody knows it's a tough in the industry. You know, the fight game, box MMA is tough, but you get in there, you do it, and it's and it's sorted. Um, but you know, you can go to hundreds of auditions, not get one of them, and you think, oh, what am I doing wrong? Yeah. Um, and but you're not getting punched in the face, so you've got longevity. You know. But <laughs> and, and the thing is, is what it's like. I remember I was, I was in a audition for something once, and this guy said to me, "You don't look nervous." I said, oh, "I am," but I know how to contain it. I said, "Oh, it's the box." Mm. Yeah. And we started to make boxing. He's a bit of a boxing fan. And he said, what level did you get to? I, was, I said, I was a professional. And I said, um, yeah. oh, I look at it. I'm not going, I'm going into that audition room. If I make myself look a fool, there's three <laughs> or four people in there. And I'm not going to get knocked out with a fight game. You've got Sky Sports, you know, you could get knocked out in front of people, you know, and got all your mates yeah. at home cheering and everything else and everybody else watching. And the funny thing is with the fight game, everybody, every, you got all these armchair warriors and they're all experts on the sport. Oh, I do oh. this, I do that. You know, yes, none of them have been yeah. in there. Very, ju- very, very, judge- very judgmental, aren't they? Very I've, never judgmental. Bo- I've never boxed, I've covered it a lot. And I always say, you know, maximum, oh, yeah. maximum yeah, yeah. respect and reverence for anyone who gets in there. Whereas a lot yeah. of journalists, and this is where the, I guess the modern blend of journalism and the internet comes in where people are trying to get attention. So they become opinionated. And I think that's, you know, it's a sad turn because I think actually it's quite insecure when you judge boxers from afar without actually yeah. having any visceral experience of it yourself. Because Absolutely. you know, you guys all show courage above and beyond, really, above normal life now. Yeah, you know, and, and the funny thing, I know you got a bit of sometimes people have got a bit of a left wing view on the fight game or pugilism, pugilism in general. But um, for me personally, I think the positives of the fight game are far mm. outweighed any negatives. And the, and the thing is, when you get people, you learn a discipline in the gym and in that environment, you know, yeah. and, um, and there's been never, because people have said to me, and I, especially women, they don't really understand it. It's a testosterone thing in a man. Because mm. they say, oh, if I had a fight with a woman, I'd never want to speak to him again, blah, blah, blah. But <laughs> with guys, it's different. You get it. You, you, you could have a, a punch-up in a pub or something. Yeah. And it's all, it's all sorted out. And like the fight game, there's never been any animosity towards opponent, opponent afterwards. And you quite often see it with fighters. They embrace afterwards, yeah. you know. I think, well, I think women's boxing is on the rise. There's certainly some women agree with that. And mixed martial arts in particular, yeah, I think, yeah, yeah. the UFC. But I, I agree with it. I think a, a lot of women maybe don't understand how much men think about violence. There's a lot of cliches about how much yeah. men think about sex. But I think it's, it is part, it's just hormonal, <laughs> isn't it? I think it's part it, of it. It is drive. a hormonal thing. It's, I remember a barrister said to me, um, he, in his words, he said, men have fought since the dawn of time. That's how things are settled. He went, you know. <laughs> yeah. And this is one of those things, you know, it's just... Um, yeah, and there's a lot of great female fighters in the boxing game now, and like you said, MMA. And I remember when I first, the idea of women fighting, yeah, I don't really like it. It's just, just mm. me. But I used to have them come off, I have a few come for personal training sessions. And the women, I think, a lot of women are natural dancers. And the way that some of them move mm. sometimes is fantastic. Now they pick up the coordination, like the yes. combination is really quick. Yeah, um, like, like Katie Taylor, a great example of that, isn't she? Yeah. Incredibly yeah, coordinated. Yeah incredibly coordinated in their footwork and stuff so it's if they can do it brilliant you know i think fair play mm. to them really, really do yeah it's really funny do. that because i've tried to do i've started johnny nelson who obviously is a presenter at sky but former world yes, cruiserweight yeah. champion he's got a, a, a thing a video out with spencer oliver former european champion and he yeah, yeah. And, and it's like just boxing and shadow boxing and, and trying to get the coordination because i've never done it and that's actually true that i'm 39 now my brain and, and body trying to get those synchronized is the key and yeah. but yeah. My, my wife said to me she said oh I reckon you'd have been, you know, helped for doing this by dancing and stuff. And I actually remember James DeGale, the super middleweight champion, actually did ballet as a kid. And Lomachenko famously has That's done right. dancing training. So there is, a, there's a, there is a kind of art and a, a beauty to boxing as well that maybe we underestimate. There, there is. There's another, a fighter who's in my stable, a, a superb world-class boxer, Dean Francis, mm. fortunately passed away. Um, and he used to do tap, start doing tap dancing lessons. To help his footwork, he's a phenomenal boxer, and and again, it's the it's the dance, it's like a dance, the movement, mm. and everything else. 
Yeah, because I'm, ter- I'm a terrible, a terrible dancer. But that's interesting, isn't it? That that correlation between acting and, and boxing. Do you feel because yeah. th- 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 did it just did boxing spur you on to do the acting? Would you have been doing the acting now had it not been for boxing and mixed martial arts? You know what? It's funny, Ed, because acting is probably one of the first. You know, as a child, you growing up, I spent a lot of time with my, my late late father and um, mm. on the farm and stuff and driving diggers. And he used to say to me, "What do you want to do when you grow up?" I said, "I'll be like you, Dad. I'll drive the diggers." I loved it. I used to dream about yeah. driving and drawing pictures of them. And he always used to say to me, you got more about you than to be doing that, he'd say. Mm. But I do draw the biggest now. It's a good string to my bow. Yes. And then I remember when I was about, this is a funny story. I was about seven or eight years old. Um, I was in Leonard Stanley by Leonard Stanley Church. And um, I was doing something with a mate of mine. But anyway, we were looking at these calves <laughs> in, in, a, in a farm there, mm. just watching them. And these two old ladies started speaking to me. And they said, oh, do you like farming, do you? I said, yeah. I said, my dad's a farmer. We've got a small holding. We've got cattle, sheep mm. and pigs and stuff. And he said, what sort do you want to do? Do you want to do that when you grow up? I said, no, I want to be an actor, I said. Yeah. And I remember at that age, it was, it was, I wanted to be an actor. And it was funny because she turned around and said, oh, bless, bless her. She, she wants to be an actress. Bless her. <laughs> sort of a little girl. And then going, I was actually mortified. I was mortified. I wasn't well, quite red. I'm looking at your photo now, Lee. You must have, uh, you must have changed quite a bit. Not that you're not a good looking man, but you're definitely a man. Yeah. What I'm looking at here. <laughs> yeah, I always remember that. So, um yeah, I and I used to do the old school play, but I was I was very shy at school. That was the problem. I was very very shy, mm. and it's funny how life is because I I was very lucky. I've been very sort of gifted with sports. I was very talented at sports and played a lot of rugby at St Peter's in Gloucester. Did played you? football at school. Yeah, and that's the and that's the market. It's the marquee sport in Gloucester, isn't it? Rugby. That's the, it. The big it one. is. Yeah, and St Peter's fantastic school as well. If I ever had children, they'd go there. Brilliant school, superb school, and the sports orientation is out of this world. Oh, um. But yeah, I played a lot of rugby there in the first way through St. Peter's. But um, I also what, did judo. What position, judo. Fo- what position in rugby and football were um, you? Um, what, <laughs> I was terrible at, 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 in the primary school with, with, with football, as in with, with, the, with the rules. So the teacher <laughs> used to just say to me, wherever the ball is, well, I want you there. Because yeah. I was just obsessed with it. Yeah, yeah, just, just go where the ball is. So that's what I used to do. Oh, you cool. know? And, um, but I used to find then, though, when I was playing the playground, I was a lot, lot better than on the actual day. <laughs> Really? The nerves used to get to me sometimes. Yeah, it's yeah, really weird. Yeah. Yeah, that was, I had so that in football as well. That, that, but that, is, but that, like you say, boxing and, and, and acting, that you kind of hone that ability to, to be in performance situations. There you right? go. Yeah, absolutely. This like a, yeah, this will happen. But at the same time, I sort of doing it. Started judo as a nine-year-old, and I was doing. I remember thinking to myself, "Well, I know how to do the, the, the grappling. And I need to learn how to do the stand-up." So I started doing kung fu as well. So, oh, so you, were tra- you were MMA training at that time, were you? Because that was early. Really, yeah, as a kid, yeah, not even really thinking it was MMA. I was just doing judo and, and kung fu, and then boxing was was the last thing I did. And um, after the, the the murder of my dad at fourteen, it just shook my world. So I was doing really, really well at the rugby, and I went mm. on to play from St Peter's Old Cryptians in Gloucester. And then I just mm. sort of really lost interest. It wasn't so much. It's just I felt like I needed to be older and mm. take care of my mum and stuff, and the house and everything else. And I seemed to grow up overnight. And then I sort of didn't didn't go back to rugby, and then boxing was the last thing I sort of sort of got into really. How did I you find How did you find the contrast? Did you were you drawn to the individual sport then from rugby? You preferred the individual side of boxing in MMA. Yeah, you got it. That that probably what it, that's probably what it was. And also, I was getting into a lot of skirmishes, going out in town, always defending the, the underdog and getting into fights and stuff. And then mm. uh, it was a lad from Australia, um, James Malloy, and uh, he said to me, I bumped into him in a nightclub, and he said, "Do you fancy doing a bit of boxing training?" And mm. I said, well, I did a bit previously in Gloucester, Gloucester yeah. ABA, and then I ended up going to, abroad to live for a while. And then uh, I was about 21 when I, you know, when, when I was approached again. Yeah. I would start briefly at 17. And I'd, and I'd did you, did you, know John, do you know John Pittman, who's a really, really rivals coach? Who was yeah, in no, John, Gloucester, very, yeah. very well, John. Yeah. yeah, he's a good bloke, John. Yeah, yeah, I've got a lot of time for John. He's mm. done really, really well. Got a fantastic gym. He's got a good little stable over there now. Really, mm. really good. Yeah, it's good. It's, it's growing in the area, definitely. But yeah, so go back yeah, to your story. Go back to your story, Lisa. Yeah, sorry, sorry, Ed. Yeah, so um, we started doing some boxing training, and in a garage to start off with, and then I just I, I loved it. I just thought at first it was just for fitness because I wasn't doing anything else by working. I wasn't doing any judo or anything anymore. But I could think it's a lot. A lot of stuff is muscle memory. Mm. But I started doing the boxing training, and then in my head, all it was because I was a heavyweight as an amateur. And I was yeah. like, I was, I'm gonna set myself. I want to be a professional. Yeah. The world champion professional, just just aim I, you know, <laughs> just keep going, and that, and that's how it sort of went on from there, really. So it has a few hours. So what, what sort of weight? What sort of weight were you as heavyweight? Were you sort of big heavyweight or kind of? I was, I was short and stocky. I was I'm only five foot ten, well, actually five foot nine and a half. So yeah, um, I think my first amateur fight was about just under fifteen stone. I think. So did you think and about then, getting to cruiserweight then? Because that's fourteen four, isn't it? Yeah, I did. Yeah, I dropped down the cruiserweight. Um, 
and I, I, the, the problem in the amateurs I think, is getting the fights. And, mm. I, and I've got to be honest, some old amateur trainers will probably say as well, a lot of the decisions used to go against me because I ask you, you know when you've won, you know you, when you've lost. Yeah. You know, and I'm thinking I'm winning these fights and they're getting the, a majority decision. And I think a lot of it was people say your style is more like a pro fighter. Um, you're short and stocky. You've got to get inside more. Mm. Yeah, because um, that's so, about scoring and a lot of people just score from distance. It, it is, really. Feathery touches. But my, my grandfather, my dad's father, was, was a heavyweight champion in the army. But he's a very he's a natural heavyweight. He's a six foot five tall guy, big guy. Wow. Um, and he, 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 he won the championship. Then he refused the box because he said um, he didn't want to get his brain scrambled for other people's entertainment. He yeah. said it's different for the pros. They get paid for it. So that, um, I wanted to be a professional anyway, but that really gave me the incentive to put him pro. Mm, mm. Um, so, and how much did the death, death of your father, I know, which is, you've made a film about, which we'll talk about in due yeah. course, actually played your father, yeah. Tony, in that. But was that, emotionally, did that throw you off the rails? And, and how important was boxing getting you back on track? Because so many yeah. stories, the people on the podcast, like yeah. Adam Harper, local to us in Tewkesbury, he, yeah. he, he basically never knew his dad. And, and then he left his mum at 16 and he became homeless. And he found it as a, a hugely important for him in terms of mentors, this instilling discipline. That's in right. He said it was. Yeah, good. I know Adam. I know Adam. Yeah. He's a nice guy. I don't like Adam. Mm. And bang on what he says with that. And this is the thing with me when um, I sort of lose my way and a bit very angry all the time. You know, I'd never go out looking for trouble. But if something started, then I would certainly wouldn't going to back away from it. And and like I said, by getting into the boxing, it gives you a sense of focus and you can channel that aggression in a positive way. Yeah. You're in the room with some of the same weight, same skill level. And, and and off you go and you got a chance to, to make something of yourself doing it mm. and uh, again like I say it's, it's the, the, the positives are far far outweigh the negatives from and the you fought for an English title didn't you is that right Lee? I did yeah it was eliminated for the British title the English title mm. but the problem was I, yeah I, I cut right down to light heavyweight when I was um, professional the 12 and, and a half stone Chris, yeah yeah and Chris Sanagor it was always I was caught between two weight divisions I should have been they've got me down on box rec as a cruiserweight when yeah. a, a, really I should have been a cruiserweight, but the problem was they they moved the the division up to fourteen four I think it was, mm. and you got some big guys of that weight division. Well, um, it's, 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 but they, they they increased that. Yeah, I don't understand that because people are talking now. I don't know if you've seen the WBC are talking yeah, about introducing a a bridge a bridger weight above cruiserweight between that and heavyweight. And actually, what you kind of yeah. think the light heavy to cruiserweight gap is the most significant, isn't it? Because you've got 12 That's and a half right. stone up to 14 stone yeah. four, 25 pounds gap. I mean, a lot of people are going to be in no man's land, I think. Is that how you felt? That's, that's how I felt because the old 13 stone eight cruiserweight limit would have been, would have been perfect for me back then. Mm. But, um, but now it's like I'm walking around about 16 stone at the moment. So like, <laughs> 14 yeah. stone is really a lot better for me now because I realised, I, I spoke to a doctor, a few doctors about it, a lot of cardio, a lot of running, road running, does, um, you lose muscle mass. Yeah, because people don't believe that I'm used to make 12 stone seven. They say you're too big. You're too big. <laughs> I said I did just get down to 12 stone seven for a title fight, but I was losing strength doing it. Although I did it, I used to. I was always running all the time. I was keeping the weight down within half, yeah. half a stone of 12. I was always walking around at 13 stone. Yeah, and I was skinny. But it's not, it's not very scientific. The approach. One thing that struck me about boxing was how they decide what weights people should be in. Because I don't know if you know John Ryder, who he campaigned a lot of middleweight and couldn't quite sort of make it. And then he went to super middle and he's had a world title shot against Callum Smith, did really well, and he's looked great. And he 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 said that. And I know Darren Barker, who's a stable mate of or was a stable mate of his, the former middleweight yeah. world champion. He said, "Oh well, they looked at Tony Sims, the coach, looked at me, looked at him, and thought, well, he's shorter than me, so he must be just a middleweight." It can't be more than the middleweight, but actually, it's all about body type and, and genetics. It's so it is. different, isn't it? It is so different. Exactly what you you hit the nail right on the head there, Ed. Body type and genetics. Mm. Um, you know, because like I said, I, I could be down that way, and I felt okay. But it's when the fight went on, you could, I just mm. started losing. When I boxed English title, I did get cut in the second round, real nasty cut, and Chris Sanager in the corner did a fantastic job of keeping that keeping me in the fight because of that cut. But mm. um, I remember I, I trained so unbelievably hard for that fight. What year I was this? Like, what year was this, Lee? Who was the opponent? Two thousand six. Two thousand six. That was the yeah. fight was April six, two thousand six. Um, so I think it was April the sixth. Anyway, it was two thousand six. Mm. But um, who was the guy you were fighting? Is it someone we? Uh, Peter Hamer. Peter yeah, Hamer. Okay, big, yeah. Big tall yeah. Um, I love to, to fight the guy uh, cruiserweight. <laughs> 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 but that was, so that was kind of was, was that the sort of a crossroads fight? Would you look at it that way? The cliche in boxing because you yeah, were you were what about, thir about thirty then? Were you something like that around that time? I was, like, I was yeah, thirty years old. Yeah, thirty years old, and it was a, it was good, that that title fight. It was a, a, an eliminator for the British title. If I'd have won that, I'd have gone on for a British title fight. Mm. Um, 
he boxed out of his skin that well that, that night. Fair play to Peter Hamer. Mm. Um, I do. It's like now I've never been one for complaining, but um, I could have gone longer on the fight because I remember when they stopped it. I was thinking, then hang on, I can they've stopped yeah. this, but. But if, if, like, if you lack a reach, you need the engine, don't you? So if the engine's missing, you can't wait, then it's, it's hard to get close. And then at the end of the day, the, the referee's got a job to do to look after the fighter, but it's, it's hard for him to know what you're reading, you're reading your own, you know, your mind personally as the fighter. Yeah. So obviously your safety is, is paramount. But, yeah. I, you know, it was just, then, then after that, after I had that fight, I had a compressed disc in my back. Mm. Um, and, it was, and it was down to being too light in weight. There was just no muscle in the lower back I was, it was sort of, I'd eaten it all away by starving myself just oh, man. just too too light and um, luckily I, well I was on I remember I was on absolute agony with that to go to the hospital yeah. and it was it was dreadful a real sympathise with people with um, sciatica and back pains is agonising and did you get did you um, get through that was there a, 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 a remedy get through, they, yeah they thought at one stage I might have to retire because that's slight compression in the lower disc and I just there's an old saying, you know, what somebody else, what somebody's opinion is of you, it's just their opinion. Mm. That's your opinion, you know. Um, I'm yeah. a great believer in the power of the mind, and I thought, I'm not having that, that's just an opinion. Yeah. I'll do my best to get out of it. And I did, it didn't take long, and I was back training again, you know, and then went on to do the cage fighting and stuff, so it, was, it was, didn't, didn't yeah. deliver, deliver <laughs> it at all. You hurt your back boxing, you decided to take it easy by going to a yeah. cage and then full on fight. Yeah, but as soon as I put the weight back on again, built myself up to a more yeah. of a natural weight. Obviously, stabilised it, and I was fine. What, 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 fine. what weight were you in MMA? Because that, that's so, so confusing for boxing fans because it does it changes. It's very different. They use some of the same labels, but they're actually different weights. Different, completely different. Yeah, it's like light heavyweight is uh, thirteen, about thirteen stone three to fourteen stone ten. Yeah. So when I did the MMA, I was a light heavyweight. About two oh five pounds, isn't it? I think something like that's that. That's right. Yeah. Upper limit. Yeah. That's right. Big boy. I mean, they're big boys actually in the MMA, aren't they? Because you realise that. They are, yeah. Because then yeah. you go to heavyweight and they're humongous, some of the guys they're in the humongous. UFC. They're humongous, they are. Yeah, they are. But the thing is, I always just say, the thing is the MMA, if you're up against somebody who's got a bigger reach, you can grapple them, take them to the ground. You know, yeah. it doesn't matter how tall you are when you're on the ground, you know. And, um, so so were, you, did you, were you better in MMA than boxing because you had the judo background as well, that you maybe had more weapons in yeah. that sport? Yeah, because for me, it's more like a street fight. It's more real. <laughs> You know, yeah. so it's you can, you can what, what I liked about MMA, and I still love boxing. What I like about MMA, it's like it's it's more of a real combat fight, and you're bringing more skills to the table. Yeah, you know, uh, my idea was I don't care if I'm on the roof of the cage, or the roof, but up on the side, I want to be able to win the fight, no matter where it goes. Yeah, I want to be able to win. Oh, in fact, um, yeah, it's, it's fascinating. I've got into MMA lately because I've been doing some stuff for Sky Sports. A producer there reached out to me during lockdown because we've only been going into the studio probably three quarters of what we were before because of sort of certain restrictions and distancing. And I've been doing some interviews with a lot of the Bellator guys because that's live on Sky Sports. Yeah. And what, what intrigues me is the evolution of the sport. And you were probably yeah. relatively early on because it was initially, it was like, right, throw a kickboxer in with a, was, a, yeah. judo, a judo player and see how they get on. But actually, right. na- na- now it almost seems like there is a prototype MMA fighter. So you're not going in there and trying to pull off like college wrestling moves or Greco-Roman wrestling. Right. You're, doing, yeah. you're doing wrestling in the context of, like you say, almost a street fight. But, but there is an MMA type. Is that... Did you, when That's you're in there right. mentally, you're not thinking I'm going to do a judo move now. You're just rolling with it, are you? And it comes instinctively. Well, no, yeah. Like I said, with muscle memory, there's a lot of my judo did come into play when I was doing it, you know, which, which helped. Yeah. And obviously, I was training Mount um, Wheat, in Gloucester, with Chris DeBue, and that we practiced a lot of the jiu-jitsu and stuff, you know. So, uh, the, oh, you know, there's something that just comes instinctively. Like I'm lucky to be born with a lot of natural strength, so that helps, obviously, a mm. lot. But um, when you've got technique, it makes, it, makes these a lot, lot easier, you know. Yeah. So you, it's just, what's the key? What's the key? Is it? Do you think wrestling's the key ingredient? It's hard to know, isn't it? Because a lot of them just do stand up and strike at the moment. It seems. I think it's it's personally. I think it's easier to take something to the ground than to what they call sprawl and brawl to get yeah. that timing right. Once somebody comes in, to try and stay standing up all the time, boxing or kickboxing, and trying to get negate a, tech, a takedown, it's yeah. harder than trying to take somebody down. You know. Yeah. But the thing is now, they, it's the the. the, the it's, the evolution of sport, people are very good all-rounders now. You know, they're good at wrestling, mm. they're good at stand-up. Um, and it's, and it's, there's a lot of skills. And it's absolutely exhausting as well, you know, because yeah. you, you're, you're wrestling on the ground because people will say, oh, at least you'll be able to have a rest. You, you, yeah. Rest? <laughs> when you're grappling, rest. It's knackering because you're using completely different muscles. Well, isn't that more, they say it's more cardio doing that than it is stand-up oh, in a way. Yeah, It is. It was a rest for me, standing up. 
Yeah. You know, I sort of, the rest under that. Who's, who's, let... who's, who's the greatest then for you? Is it, is it Khabib Nurmagomedov, the guy that's, the, that's just retired, isn't he? He's UFC lightweight champion. Yeah, fantastic is, is he the benchmark? Is he sort of like the, the top? top I the think top? So. I think he is. But then what will happen is you'll get somebody who's a benchmark at stand-up. Well, you had mm. Chuck Liddell, you know, he's fantastic at standing up and sprawling, you know? Yeah. And then you also you get one that come, comes in like... like um, you might Conor, be a manager, Conor, mentioned, um, Conor McGregor or no, the the, the Khabib, Russian guy. Khabib, sorry, Khabib, sorry, yeah. Khabib, yeah. He's a fantastic grappler and very strong. And just grips them up and gets them on the ground and takes them out. Mm. You know. Yeah, it's, um, interesting. it's interesting. A lot goes into it, isn't it? Working out what the best ingredients are. Best ingredients for you, I suppose, yeah. in MMA, because you can't, you can't, because there, there is a pressure. I was speaking to a couple of fighters, and there's a guy who left the UFC called Corey Anderson. He went to Bellator because he said oh, he yeah. felt like he could be himself because he said. In the UFC, he was from a wrestling background. They wanted him to stand up and trade with people. And he said, well, yeah. this isn't my strength. But they said, oh, move the, it will move the dial or move the needle, I think they said to him. And you know, this will get attention. And we live in this attention yeah. economy. But he said, well, that's no well, good for me. Exactly. I've got two kids. I'm, I don't want to rock and soccer. But I want to just wrestle someone and beat them. And wrestle somebody, there. yeah. And I get it. I get what you're saying. But from a, from a spectator's point of view, people still want to see people punching. Mm. Because they understand that. They understand. It's yeah. more exciting to watch. To see two blow guys trading blows and wrestling around on the floor. No disrespect to the, the grapplers, because I love grappling myself. Love it. Mm. But from a spectator's point of view and a business point of view for the UFC, they want people tuning in to watch it. So yeah. they want to see people stood up and striking, because that's entertaining to watch. Mm. And as brutal as it sounds, people, some people want to see the blood and gore and the knockouts. Yeah. They do want to see the knockout. Well, it's big, a lot more exciting yeah. to watch. A big thing I found difficult, I don't know if you did, but you had the judo background, is when, you know, in boxing, if someone gets hit and goes to the canvas, there's a, there's a count and it's separated. Yeah. Whereas the UFC and, the, and Bellator and MMA generally, I, find, I get a little bit viscerally at the start. I was like, if someone got hit and they jumped on them, it's like, oh my God, someone break I it up. Break, it's yeah. like, it's terrifying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The funny thing is, I was, before I um, switched sports, I did do all my research on this. And I remember thinking, well, they're not taking, the, the MMA, fighters are not, MMA fighters are not taking the same sort of head trauma as boxers are because you've got those 10-ounce gloves that feel like rocks when you're getting hit with them in boxing. Yeah. You're getting, a lot, a lot of the punches and the shots are head orientated. Mm. You'll get a te- you'll get hurt. You get a ten second count, <laughs> stood yeah. up, and then you're and then bang bang again with MMA. You get smaller gloves. Now I was talking, I was talking to a paramedic about this when I did mm. the TV show Fighting Hurts, and uh, he said to me, "You're far safer doing this than you ever was boxing, yeah. because he said you got hit with smaller gloves. You're you're better getting knocked out mm. rather than getting knocked down and standing back up again and take another battering." You get boxing it more like and it's what women's boxing actually they're concerned about is because there's not a lot of clean knockouts that people get more of a constant reverberation of their brain yeah. around their skull and that, that's, that's the that's that what could it be is. The danger yeah long term that's the danger the reverberation on the skull and I remember watching a, a nature program on woodpeckers and mm. woodpeckers have actually got a muscle around the brain oh, that fits yeah. the brain to the skull that's why they don't get brain damage when they're headbutting trees <laughs> I said perhaps you know, if boxers evolve they can do that yeah but it's <laughs> funny about, it's funny about the glove because it's perception that the heavy, the bigger the glove the safer it is but actually yeah. I think um, Spencer Fearon who's a, a boxing historian was on the podcast with me and he said that Jack Johnson in that, those days they had four ounce gloves and actually you realise that maybe they were safer in those days than they are now yeah because it spreads the impact that's the thing there's, that's, I think that's what bigger gloves do. They spread the mm. impact of the shot. It's, it's, it's horses for courses at the end of the day, but um, yeah. I can understand the theory behind with the smaller gloves. You, you, you get knocked down. Also, when you're on the floor, then they, they, they can jump on you, bang, bang, then the referee stop it. It's all yes. over. It's gone. Fight's yeah. over. So uh, on to another day. Yeah, you can't, be um, too, you can't be too brave, whereas maybe in boxing, you just keep getting up and it's... You, you know, can keep yeah. that 10 second rest and you get sort of get yourself back together. Um, and get back up and carry on going again, you know, mm. so you, 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 get, you get more damage. Did you ever get choked out or choke anyone out? Because that's a, a, a strange concept, isn't it? But apparently that's not as bad for you as getting knocked out, even though it looks, no, it's not, looks pretty shocking. Well, well yeah, with, with judo, like the re-naked choke was a, is a choke I learned during judo. Judo is called the gentle way. And yeah. you're actually, you're, you're safer getting choked out because they've, they've done tests. There's no... Any, any side effects or long-term damage from being choked out, apparently. Mm. Obviously, if you keep it on, you're going to kill somebody. But once they've gone unconscious, let it go. The blood, go back, blood goes back to the brain mm. and they regain consciousness again. So you, um, wanna, but, yeah, so you kind of have a little dream or something, do you? Is that right? Someone said that I've never actually been choked out properly because when, when I've been caught in a choke training, you just tap. Uh, but in, yeah. a, in a fight, I wasn't choked out. You know, I, did, I did a choke out. When then the fighting hurts with a rear naked choke. Um, yeah. it's, really, it's a really effective move and fairly simple to do as well. 
Yeah, no, it's fascinating the amount of the, the amount of weaponry that goes into it. And then, did you reach? You, you won a big event in two thousand and eight, didn't you? Ash uh, Loveridge, who connected us, the local journalist that's in Stroud, that's he, that's yeah. he he said that you won a two thousand eight. I read an article in I think the Gloucestershire Evening News, the Gloucestershire Echo. Yeah, actually, Ashley Leverage used to cover a lot of my fights, actually. But it was good little spreads in the Australian Journal, and he mm. covered uh, Fighting Hurts. And um, that's that's right, yeah, it was yeah, back in 2008, reality TV show, and it was just um, a load of us over the country, throughout the country, into, uh, audition, sorry, for this uh, reality mm. TV show. And 16 contestants got picked. It was myself and my brother, and then, uh, yeah, we entered it. You didn't have to fight and, your brother, did you? Well, in the audition, they actually asked me this, and I always said to Pete, like, because the funny thing was, he saw the auditions in the Nuts TV magazine, and mm. he actually told me I hid it from you. He said, because I knew if you saw it, you'd go in for it. <laughs> and yeah. it was just a, for me, it was just a perfect platform. I thought, you know, to yeah. propel my MMA career to do something like that. But I said, well, if you go in, for it, well, he did say it, when he found out that I went in for it, he had to do it as well. And I thought <laughs> that'd be good because two brothers on a TV show were more likely to get through and get picked, and yeah. it worked. So what was it so picked? Was, was it picked on judges rather than actually what you did in the, yeah, in the cage? Yeah, judging. Yeah, we actually just to go to an audition and it's a bit like an acting audition, really. But mm. they wanted to use them press ups and hit the bag, blah blah blah. So I sort of played up a bit, you know, and just um, didn't mm. want to show too much. I think it was once I went storming into a I'm almost rugby rugby tackled this um <laughs> this punch bag. I wanted to sort of look like some you know, over the hill boxer character. Well, this is character. A, this is yeah. that's a difficult difficulty yeah. in combat sports, isn't it? Because as much as it's about talent, it's also about grabbing attention, like you say, and getting people attention. behind you. Yeah, exactly, and getting people interested. You know, because people who don't know the, the skill side of it and all that, they just want to see a bit of a character and somebody winning a fight. You know, mm. yeah. and you won you won the tournament, didn't you? That's right. Yeah, I did. Yeah, won the tournament. It's great. It's great. A great achievement. It was a, a, just a great experience. We did this army training camp, which I absolutely loved because I was trained with some former special forces guys who put me to, through the paces in Blaze in Bristol, mm. through like rivers and stuff and climbing up banks and trees and all that. So <laughs> that fighters, we all turned up and everybody sort of looked at one another and I had a little smirk on my face. So I thought this is going to be a walk in the park commercial I'm used to. And it was to be fair. It was hard, but... Was it? It was Because yeah, Tony, Tony Bellew got tested in that SAS programme, didn't he? The, the yeah. boxer Tony Bellew. He, he went through the thing with Ant Middleton, the, uh, the, box, the SAS yeah, show. Yeah. Be good. So, yeah. what happened with MMA after you won that? Then, how long did you uh, campaign for it in mixed martial arts? Did you look at some of the bigger organisations? I don't know what the, the yeah, sort of I did. Way I, is to get in. Well, yeah, because I had about I was training with Mark Weirs and we sort of discussed, you know, hang in there because they'll be doing another Ultimate Fighter England versus USA at your weight division. Yeah, and getting that unfortunately that didn't come off, and unfortunately, during filming, um, uh, Nuts TV they went bankrupt. Sorry, not Nuts oh. TV, uh, Cage Rage. They um, went into Administration. Yeah, well, they, yeah, Lee XC had bought them out, you see. Ah. And unfortunately, Kimbo Slice, who's a new sign, he lost his fight. So the company went bankrupt. This is what I was told. He's still going, Kimbo Slice, isn't he? Is no, that he's right? passed away, isn't he? he passed oh, passed away. away, of course. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, yeah. Yeah, yeah. lovely bloke he was, apparently. Mm. I've seen some interviews on him. Yeah, yeah he died of a heart attack. Um, so I just had some time out. And then, then I'd, I'd switched camps. I was training with Paul Sutherland, um, who's my manager mm. then, at Trojan fight club in um, in Cheltenham yeah and then a fight came in it was the very next fight after winning for fighting hurts it's probably 18 months later it was quite a long layoff even though I was training was for for a European title fight for um, Cage Mania in Spain the Costa del mm. Sol mm. so I went out and competed at middleweight dropped down the middleweight wow for that what middleweight MMA is 170 173 which, which, which I say I should have made that say, that, yeah. that, should have, that would have been the old cruiserweight limit in boxing somewhere oh yeah that's, be, yeah that's between light heavy and cruiserweight in boxing isn't it yeah even though it's called middleweight and so, the, yeah yeah and the, do you know what the funny thing was after the fight the, the referee said to me then how the hell do you make middleweight I said I said I used to make light heavyweight in boxing he, didn't, he couldn't believe it I said, <laughs> he said you should be a light heavyweight in, in the MMA because wow. of physicality. Unfortunately, I lost the fight on points. I thought I'd won it. I really did. Yeah. And so did Paul, my manager. He still says to this day, you won the fight. Yeah. Um, it's interesting you worked, with Mark, you worked with Mark Weir as well, because I've, I've I done did, a, yeah, a few things. Yeah. I've got Mark involved in a few previews for Sky Sports on the MMA stuff. We actually did a preview yeah, yeah, of Khabib's yeah. latest fight. And he's a good guy, yeah. isn't he, Mark? He's, 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 a good guy, he's infectious. Mark. Yeah, they, they, <laughs> yeah, he helped me a lot with the fighting. So I was training over at gym a lot, learning on the jiu-jitsu. Just, and also... Um, Chris abused the with Chris and he's that way. Mm. Lot with the ground, the ground stuff, you know, which is which is great because that's all I sort of worked on, obviously. From mm. you know, I did some boxing sparring, but yeah. So did yeah, you win? Did you win most of the the fights on the ground? Did you? 
No, I, so um, in the MMA, because in the TV show, the first fight was won by technical knockout. Yeah. Um, the second fight was won. That was a knockout, ground and pound. And yeah. then the third fight, which was the finals, was won by um, rear naked choke. Oh, okay, wow. So variety. Yeah, yeah. You got the full, the full. You got a full yeah, assault. But, there. Yeah, the full, the full assault. I think uh, the second fight. Um, Ben Craggy, the opponent, he said that was, it was I did a knee strike to his solar plexus. He said that's what winded him, mm. and he sort of went down. And I finished off with the old, um, they call him the hammer fist. Mm. But um, yeah. it was just nice to show that bit of variety, you know, because obviously going into MMA for a, a boxer, oh, he's just a stand up for he's just a boxer, and it's just nice to go in there with some variety. Yeah. Do you wish that? Do you wish that you sort of had your time again in the sense that, that maybe you'd come to it around now if you were a yes. younger man? Because it seems yeah, like I it's. Do. MMA's on the yeah. rise, isn't it, really? It, seems. it did. It's massive now. I remember some people saying, what are you doing switching to that? Blah, blah. I said, honestly, it's, it's, a, it's the fastest you're sport. sport. It's, ma- it's massive. Mm. I said, yeah. And now I think it's, it's just it's, it's the way life is. You know, no regrets. But if it was about now when I was late teens, early 20s, I would, I think I'm 90% sure I would have done that instead of boxing. Mm. I would have done the MMA instead. Although it's a prop, boxing... It's a- there's a primal part of us, isn't there? I think that, that that resonates. I think with 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 fighting. And you mentioned you have got the ducks and the chickens and the nature there. There's that aspects of humanity that that maybe we deny, don't you? Do you think that the, for you it was sort of becoming a sort of a full human in a way, engaging in that? Yeah, 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 absolutely, absolutely. You know, because always always sort of did it. And it's it's funny because people they tend to judge fighters. They think just because you're a fighter, you're gonna be a horrible person. Do you know what mm. I mean? You're gonna be a bully. As soon as you, you know, as soon as you're a fighter, you're, you ultimately some people class you as a, as a bully, mm. and you couldn't be further from the truth. Couldn't be further from the truth. Were you were you less of a? I bet you were less of a violent man. Were you after you began that and, and channeling in it? Yeah, just I just didn't feel that um, that anger. It was just mm. that because I do think sometimes the way you way you the way you feel inside, you tend to attract those situations. Mm. It's, you know, if you're feeling angry and that, you, you'll attract those. Yeah. When you go in that, you'll attract it. You, you sort of attract it. Things will happen. So when you, you also feel less that, fearful, don't you? I think as you, you as yeah, a young man, you can feel quite. Yeah, it's actually anger as a reaction to sometimes fear and insecurity. Yeah, it? yeah, yeah. It can be exactly. So because you're more confident and more relaxed, mm. you just don't just, just didn't seem to have have the trouble, you know. And um, I know so I you know I stay to this day. There's a fantastic amount of support when I was boxing as well, you know. Yeah. And go out and people be more interested in buying you a drink and chatting to you than rather than punching you. Do you know what I mean? It was great. Yeah. We had some yeah. fantastic nights with people coming down from Stroud mm. and, 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 and obviously Bristol and Gloucester to support me when I was boxing. It was fun. It was great nights, you know, great, brilliant. Fantastic. And when did you, when did you call it a day in, in boxing and MMA and hang out your gloves? Um, it, was a, it, was a, it was a long, it was a quite hard decision, to be honest, Ed, because I think it was around 2010, I thought, you know, um, mm. I'd lost the last fight. I thought I'd won it. Um, Paul had said to Pete, he said, I think I could get Lee into the UFC if he kept on going. And he said to me after my last fight, I was 34 then. Mm. And he said, you'd fight like a guy 10 years younger. So I had mm. some longevity in me. But then I was, I was doing some acting work. I got basically got into acting when I was boxing. Really? At Chris Sanagan's gym. Yeah, it was um, the casting director rung the gym, or the second AD it would have been, rang the gym because they wanted some boxers to do a scene on casualty. Uh-huh, okay. And it was, just, uh, it was just a building site scene. <laughs> so it was me and a couple of others, and we went down and did it. And then they well, had a they boxing match on a building site. Is it? No, it's just all I had to do is he just they they actually picked me out. They said, oh, "Can you do this bit? Just walk past ah. this building, give him a funny look, and give him a little uppercut in the stomach." And it, <laughs> the guy was an actor, so I did it. Did the scene, loved it. Thought this is good fun. This is you know turned up there yeah. and saw how it all works and stuff. I thought it was quite amazing. And then a, a working actor said to me, he "said you do this often, mate?" I said, "No, it's the first time. I'm, I'm a professional boxer." We just sort of explained this, how I got got there. Mm. They ran the gym, blah, blah, blah. He said, well, you want to get into this? He said, you got a bit of a look and a bit of a build. He said, you never know. Mm. And I said, you know what? I said, I, I liked acting as a kid. I said, perhaps when I finish fighting, yeah. this be my next adventure. And there you are. This this what happened. So around about 2010, I've been doing extra work to start off with. So I worked with an extras agency. Yeah. At that time, I thought as a way to get into it, which is not. It's, it's very, no, very no, don't, they fr- don't they people frown upon that in a weird sort of way? They do, yeah, they do. There's it. a lot of um, there's a bit of nepotism regarding it, you know, and I sort of understand it because, you know, if you're an actor, you should, they say you shouldn't be doing extra work. You know, it's a catch-22 because some of these young guys come out, they need to earn yeah. some money. But, it's, I think exper- but it's experience work. as well, isn't it? You're yeah, around you actors. Yeah, That's right, because you get to... St- I didn't go to the drama school. I've done acting lessons and stuff. I didn't, go, didn't, didn't do the traditional route. Mm. So I remember I did a short film a few years back and the girl there, she said to me, I was working with, she said, I wish I did what you did. Yeah. I did some extra work because you get to learn set etiquette and see how things work, and you can watch other actors working, and everything, yeah. and learn the ropes. 
So I think it's good to do that for a couple of years and stop doing it, which I did yeah. stop doing it because like I said, my agent, I've got um, a contract with a boutique agency in London yeah. and they don't want to do an act, extra work. You know, it's because cast and directors tend to think, you know, you should be auditioning or doing acting classes, but you still yeah. need to earn a living. It's, so it's, I've got a, lot it's of a funny game, isn't it? Like you're thinking, because now the internet revolution, people are making themselves YouTube stars and stuff, but you're still yeah. in acting. You're trying to kind of dance to someone else's tune, aren't you? And get the attention of a yeah. gate, gatekeeper. It's, it's a the difficult gatekeeper. process. How do you keep your sort of your confidence and, and your belief going? Is it just based on, yeah. you know, is that ability to switch off from other people's opinions key? That's what you've got to do. You've got to switch off from other people's opinions. And it is, can be deliberating at times. You see, you're not getting anything. You do another audition. It's like, that's fantastic. That was great. Yeah. And you know that that's every, every, other person, every other person in the room has been in there, you know, <laughs> because sometimes I wish they'd say, oh, that was crap, or let's work yeah. on this, because you just don't know where you are. Mm. But you know, they're busy people. They've got people coming in and out, and they, you just got to keep going. It's, it's, you've got you to have strong mental fortitude for the acting game. You really not get, not get too high, not to get too low. Is no, that the key? Yeah. That's, that's it. Just, just go for it. Just turn up, do your job, because you've got to look at every audition is a positive because you'll get you're getting training you're getting mm. experience just with that audition okay it costs money going there it does but what who knows you could get something massive at the end of it you never yeah. know but you know if, it's a bit, if we all yeah go on. It's, a, it's a bit low say like presenting and i've obviously presented yeah. sky sports yeah. i've had i've had jobs where you go for auditions and screen tests we call them in, in presenting yeah. but it's effectively you are it's, it's, it's performative and you're not quite yourself in terms of particularly if you're reading news and things like that but actually you you have to sort of not get too inflated if someone thinks you're a great presenter you think okay that's great and if someone thinks you're yeah. terrible you think okay fair. Yeah, because actually it's just subjective it's just opinions and, and you have to work on the skills separately yeah. don't you and like how can i get yeah. better what can i do and, and sort what of look to do? be constructive just, rather yeah. than be like oh god they think i'm great or they think i'm terrible and not go in that yeah. roller coaster yeah yeah exactly exactly you hit the nail on the head and it's just like the fight game you've got mm. to improve you've got to improve your sharpen your skills up and sometimes it's just about being more relaxed than yourself you don't want to go into the, the audition room mm. like being really needy oh i want this job because that comes across <laughs> Yeah. Just go in there. Like I tend to go in there. Well, if I go in, I do. I don't. I don't. I don't care. Because like, I think because there's this old saying, being a star of an actor. There's no need for that because if you if you got strings to your bow, learn other trades, learn something new. I'm I'm trying to learn something new all the time. Yeah. And then you got something to fall back on then. So you haven't got to be like desperate and mm. do crap work or anything. You know, you just just that, just go there, be relaxed. Yeah, that state get... that state is key, isn't it? And like say in fighting, because you, you must know boxers and I think I don't want to mention any names to sort of disparage them, but guys that we know are super fit who go into a ring and look yeah. exhausted because emotionally they're they're just over aroused by it. Yeah, I, I know I'd say we won't mention any names, but I know a few who just um found all fantastic in the gym mm. and on the night fall to pieces and I can put my hands up myself sometimes. Yeah. Just fall to pieces, but just my best work was left in the gym. I mm. thought I'm brawling again. I'm not boxing. I'm boxing the gym. I'm not. What, what I'm making <laughs> it so hard. Yeah. And yeah, and I, a lot of time, I always found it when it was like in Ashton Gate and a lot of uh, support there from Australian Gloucester. Oh, the Bristol, like, Bristol, Bristol City Ground football ground. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. a lot of my boxing match. Yeah, Bristol City Ground. But then when I was boxing in Plymouth, I remember I boxed Neil Simpson for. Um, I think that when I won the fight, got me the eliminator for the British. British title, I think that was. Oh, but wow. I went down to it was on Sky Sports. I boxed Neil Simpson. He's former British and Commonwealth like, heavyweight champion. And um, mm. and the fight really is at cruiserweight because we both cruiserweights when we weighed in. Yeah. And I stopped him in three rounds. He retired. He wouldn't come out for the fourth round. But I boxed so well. Yeah. It was like being completely in the zone. I could, I could hear the commentators. I could hear people in the crowd. <laughs> I knew exactly what I'd do next. Yeah. I was so mentally relaxed in there. And that every time I boxed down in Plymouth, it was the same, just really mentally relaxed. Mm. Then every so often, I'd have that same thing come over me when I was Ashton Gate, not very often. Mm. And I do put a lot of that down to visualization, though, relaxing the yeah. mind down. You know, yeah. That's really, really powerful. And not think about things too much. I think in the media, we always yeah. think fighters, you should be thinking about it 24 7. But when you speak to managers and trainers, they're often trying to get their fighters not to think about the fight before it. Yeah. They're trying to get them to take them to the cinema, watch a film, put yeah, some TV on, whatever it is. Because yeah. you know, there's, no, there's nothing to be gained by getting yourself amped up overthinking this is it and, and, and this is it it's about being people think you've got to be really angry when you're in there no you don't you've got to be mentally relaxed there's a mm. time to switch that on when you got them hurt then you switch out just got to switch that rage up to get them out of there mm. you know because when you're mentally relaxed it's so much easier you, you can be in complete control of your body yeah you know what to do next you, know, you move next i'm gonna do this there's everything flows like a game of chess does that help you in general life, the acting and the fighting that, that in terms of your, your emotional control and things, do you think, in general life yeah. circumstances? 
yeah definitely definitely and also like it's um I did um there's a new TV series actually they're, they're going to be shooting in Bristol called The Offenders and I've auditioned for it twice mm. two different parts and the the one part was for like a is horrible swine the, the character <laughs> so well, my mate Frankie said to just go down and give it to him. He said, just so you sort of go in the audition and I just let everything go, just go up real mad, spitting, snarling. Yeah, you know, and it's the only way because we're, we're, we're taught to have the, in this society have a stiff upper lip and you've got to be, yeah, you've got to immerse yourself in it, that, throw yourself in. You know? And uh, with, with acting, it's one of those games you could pick, you, know, you could pick a chair up and go mad and you know, and really <laughs> let it go. So that frustration, you let it out. Yeah, because I'll do like the method acting approach where you delve into something deep inside you, and just let it out. So if you're feeling a bit rough, yeah, say it for the audition, and especially if it's a part that you've got to get expressive and get angry. Yeah. Um, so just, it's cathartic. <laughs> it's cathartic, isn't it? A bit like fighting, you get that side out. Yeah, you get, yeah. You get yeah. it out. You get it out. And then the guy said, "Yeah, it's great." He said, "It's pretty intimidating." He said, "Your physicality is intimidating enough." He said. Yeah. So I did a second take, but just sort of toned it down. Mm. But um, I've just done a self tape this last week, actually, for for another character on this. So we'll see how that goes. Wow! But um, so, yeah, that's 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 interesting how you, you do that. So you're not you're not offering you some some sort of like hero, clean cut heroes, are they? You're getting all the the, the villains and the brawlers. Yeah, so. the, the you know, I, I did, it's weird because then I played um, in a short film for the NHS, playing a diabetic dad. Mm. You know, so I've done that. So it's it's I get a bit bit of range, you know, which is which is good really because yeah, was, because that, was that a TV be, commercial? No, it wasn't. That was um, the TV commercial was um, Confused.com. I did. Uh, okay. Uh, this oh, well, yeah, was, they uh, recognise your face. Actually, it's strange, isn't it? How you kind of yeah, that was that's a few years. Was, yeah, it was at Christmas 2014. It was uh, Wade in oh. Brian the Robot. <laughs> ah, right. But, uh, <laughs> but, oh, yeah, it's, so it's, it's great. It's a great story, isn't it? And um, obviously, you've had to you have to do all this in your life without your dad since the age of nine. How, yeah, how, how difficult? Really, how yeah. difficult has that been not to have? Yeah. As, as you get to a certain age, you sort of you look for that guidance, don't you? You do. I think you know as you get older, like in the early twenties, you sort of you psychologically look for a bit of a father figure, I suppose, or something you sort of look up to. Mm. Then you get past that, and then um, it's it was because he was like, I was fourteen years old when he's murdered, and um, mm. it's it was a it was a massive part of my life. And there's not a day that goes by that I don't think about him, you know. And um, but he instilled some good stuff in me as a, a young age. Yeah. Um, you know about how to go about things you know and i mean mm. hate one thing he always hated he hated bullies people yeah. being bullied really hated it didn't like it at all and um and like with the animals he's great with animals and stuff so you know and um is that is that driven you on the fact that he wanted you to do something above and beyond the farming that you know to to, to kind of challenge yourself is that sort of been a, yeah, a motivator cause I, yeah because don't get me wrong one day i'd love to have my own little small holding or farm so that'd be great but mm. it did motivate me because I, this is where I'm lucky because my, my mum's always been 100% behind me. You hear some kids and then say, or, or friends of mine have got older, their parents used to put them down. Oh, you can't do that. Get a normal job. Mm. Like if I went back in my age, if I said to my mum, I'm going to give up this act, I'm going to be an astronaut. <laughs> she, she said to me, you're the best astronaut ever. <laughs> and like my yeah, dad, he never, yeah. he never, he, when I say bollock me, he'd tell me if I was wrong, but what he'd say, he'd say in such a way, he'd say, look, what do you do that for? Don't let yourself yeah. down. You've done really well. If, so, yeah, if, if someone's done it, why can't you? Someone else has done it, why can't you? Yeah, and that's what he'd say. He wouldn't say, oh, you're a stupid idiot, you're this, you're useless. It'd be like, don't, boy, don't let yourself down. You've been really proud of you. You've done really well. You, you can do yeah. better than that. But also, also, Lee, through doing the acting and the fighting, you sort of demystify it as well to a certain extent where maybe the small holding and stuff, that's, you actually have newfound respect for it because, you know, there's a sort of apparent glamour to certain jobs. And actually, when you realise yeah. when you do them, they're not as glamorous as people think from the outside. No, so. exactly. Yeah, exactly. You know, because people think, oh, I, like, these actors are so oh, it's a glamorous lifestyle. Now, they don't realise the hours they got to put in and all the stuff yeah. they've got to do to get there. They're not and the, and the, and the, money, the money's not as good as people because they all see the top earners. Well, in my industry, everyone sees Gary Lineker and think, thinks we're all millionaires, so it's a different millionaires, perspective. They don't realize it's, it's, it's yeah. top 2% getting yeah. all the money. They've got a job here, a job there. Yeah, when you get them, a mm. decent job. I've done, I've done student films for nothing. Yeah, and then I, and then I've done something for this country which was really well paid for just like ten minutes work. Or was it? Oh, that's long, interesting. You know, it's just I got picked up at a bit it was like midday, and I was doing about ten minutes work. Really, I spent most of the day in the, in the trailer drinking coffee. That was great. That oh, was really, really good money, you know. And, and that's what that's when it pays off when you get these good little jobs, and you think, you know, I really this is this is great. You know, it's just, mm. I'm doing something I love doing. I'm getting paid for it, you know. And then, but but what 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 people don't realise is all the knockbacks, the, the times you didn't get the job, or you yeah. know when. You're getting that, you're going down to London, it's raining, it's horrible and all that. Same as the fighting. 
feel yeah. a bit, oh, I'd love to be you. What was, yeah. <laughs> do, you do you want to get up in the morning and go running in the rain at 5 a.m.? Yeah. Uh, for, me it's more, for me, it's more it's a knock on the dressing room door when you have to make that walk to the ring. I think I'd, you know, my guts would empty out of that yeah, point. I think that would be yeah. it. This, but again, it's been as uh, many, many seasoned professional boxers I tell you that you get, you always get nervous, but you learn to deal with it. You get seasoned. Mm. Yeah. You sort of, um, you know, because I remember my, my two weeks before my debut, I couldn't sleep. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah was, and sleep's important. That's the problem. That's the that's, really, the, yeah. that's the conundrum, isn't it? Sleep's important, but it's yeah, hard to sleep yeah, and stress. Tossing and turning and all that. And then after a while, once you get a few dozen, well, get, get, get half a dozen under your belt, you start getting used to it then. And uh, mm. it's all part and parcel. And the same as, same as auditioning. Yeah. You get it, you, you, turn, you go down there. And, and the, 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 I, I enjoy the, the track on the train mm. or the coach to London. Mm. You know, you're there. And the best part after an audition, especially if you think you've done well, you know, you think, yeah, I've got a good feeling about this. I've done really well. <laughs> you want to have a coffee somewhere. Because yeah. the next day, or, or that, or the day before I was digging something with the JCB, I was putting a fence up, I was doing some tree surgery. <laughs> is that, an, is, that a nice ba- is that a nice balance of the sort of Absolutely. like the showbiz I, and the real, but yes. the real work, real digging in the earth, it's proper grounding. Exactly. It's a nice balance, yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. um, the, the, there's time, even in the past when I was boxing, oh, you don't know what it's like to work. I said, yeah, I bloody do, mate. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and I yeah. just think you've had this glamorous lifestyle. You're, you're a boxer, and boxing's hard. Yeah. Getting punched in the face for a living. Yeah. But you know they'll well we got to go out, we got to have a proper job. Well, I said I still work as well. I'm doing grand yeah. and stuff. And working the land is is, is 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 rewarding, isn't it? In itself, that's the thing. Yeah, it is rewarding. Yeah, it is, re- it is rewarding. It's hard work. It is rewarding. You know, so yeah. um, it's nice to have a it's, for myself personally. I've had that complete balance really with all sorts of stuff yeah. I've managed to sort of uh, undertake. You know, and then um, hey, you know, who know who knows where the acting's going to go? But it's, it's good, good thing about it, you've got longevity. You just keep plugging away at it. You yes. Know, um, yeah, you can I'm always act, can't you? That's why you, yeah. it must be hard to say I'm not going to be acting an actor anymore because people said to me it could be that you're a 35 year old who people like seeing, or it could be you're a 60 year old who suddenly you fit yeah. a, certain, a certain acting job that's great that's, and you get a lot of offers. Yeah. So. And then and then off you go. Well, I'm hoping to get to America. I've got a few good, good, very good friend out there at the moment. He's setting up mm. a production company. Um, obviously, with this COVID thing, it's been a bit of a nightmare and he's yeah. put things back. But, um, um, slowly and slowly, but sure, work on my green card so I can work out there. Awesome. Do you have to do an American accent, or would it, you have to do like the? Do you have to learn a New York accent and a Texas yeah, accent and all York. that stuff. Yeah, yeah, got, yeah. Got to <laughs> sharpen up on that. You know, listen to videos, and it's funny, really, because it, if when I'm out there, it's like I've got a mate in Wales, and he said, when yeah. I come down there, he said, I can really hear your West Country accent. There yeah. it goes. Now, I find when I'm in America, I start picking it up. I was with my mate. Yeah, I was at a birthday party in London. Yeah, a few about two years ago, yeah. and there's a guy from Bethnal Green who's out with us, and he said, "Are you from round here?" <laughs> I said, "Well, you sound like you are." I said, "No, I'm not. I'm from the West Country." And I yeah. didn't even realize it. Just started, my accent started changing. He said, "You had a Cockney accent, did you?" Yeah, all right, thank you. Yeah, I've had that sort of to a certain. I've got a muddled accent because I've lived all over the place. I was born in London, actually in Hackney, not far from Bethnal Green, and and then I was lived in Cardiff. Malvern, the West Indies. I lived in the States for a couple of years. When I was in the States, when I came back, people thought I was a Kiwi because you had this, because I, because I was doing broadcast out in the States. So you had to amend certain things you said, otherwise people didn't understand what you were saying. So actually you, you, you start talking differently. And I think the Kiwi and Australian accent is almost halfway between an English and an American. I think historically, yeah, yeah. like the American one's actually really old, I think because people went out there hundreds of years ago. And then the Australian and Kiwi accent, sort of broadly Victorian, sort of a London yeah. Victorian, almost like a Cockney Victorian accent. And then yeah. we've got we've got a sort of modern English accent, which is affected by Europe and, and France and things like that. But then it's yeah. uh, it, it, it's it's weird. You must slip, yeah, halfway house between American halfway and English at sounding a bit Kiwi. So it's strange. Yeah, well, you're lucky. You got a very neutral neutral accent, which is great for presenting because it's very neutral, isn't it? Your I think that yeah, it just happens, and I think you're quite malleable. But I think. It's, Trying to put on accents, I would find very hard. Like it's difficult. To play yeah, a part. Yeah. Some people new, do it easy. Yeah, you're a New Yorker now, and you've got to try and keep in that. But then you see people who are really good at it, like Christian Bale, and he's a little strange oh, guy. He's like, he's. But d- does he know who he is, Christian Bale? When you see him interviewed, you're like, he goes in and out of accents. So you're not quite sure who yeah. he is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, like, you do it that sometimes <laughs> with some. I'm not drop in and out of accents, but um, yeah, yeah, it's, it's interesting. Isn't it? It's it's a it's a That's funny game acting. Well, that'd, be, that'd be awesome, but you did a film, you actually played your father, didn't you? Was that, was that cathartic as well, playing in, in it the was, film yeah, I got as well? Yeah, it was, um, I did struggle a bit afterwards. I, I did know, I, I thought, it's, you know, it's going to, you know, I'm going to suffer a bit psychologically, I thought that whilst I was doing it, and I thought, we'd do, I said to myself, do you really want to do this? I've always wanted to do a film, 
And yeah. this is just a short film. The idea is to turn it into a feature film. There's things in the pipeline now that will turn into a feature or, or TV series. Mm. But um, I'm not, I uh, won't say too much about it at the moment, just in case it doesn't come off. But there's, there's things yeah. out there and, and people interested, which is good. Yeah. The idea of the short film was to sort of, because um, we, the, the local, our local MP is, um, Going back, going back to the police for me because of the film because I've showed them what what happened, mm. um, and I believe what happened, and also from things I've heard over the years, evidence I've gathered, what we've gathered since then, mm. but um, was to show because there's always said that it was an accident. It was never an accident. It was a cold-blooded murder, and Gloucester Constabulary should be ashamed really because they handled it terribly. It should there should yeah. be a reinvestigation. There should be a retrial just on the ballistics. Just on the ballistics. Evidence yeah. alone, there should be a retrial. But, well, legally, yeah, so it's legally we can't name names here because of uh, no, the court no. case and stuff. But I think, yeah, people yeah. can watch the video and they can read up about the story. And I think, obviously, you were That's shot right. in the instant that where yes. your father was yeah. was shot dead. That must have been traumatic in itself, was it, the sh being shot? It was, it was dreadful. You know, when it, the th thing was, for me, as a kid, my dad was my hero. So while I knew he was up in the woods taking the fence down. I was worried about him being up there, but I thought, well... That's daddy be fine, you know. They, mm. they, they were, they're not going to shoot him. This is England, not America. This happens on the films and all that. Mm. But when I had the shot, when I was down in the field and went to go look for him, I took my time getting there. And obviously, I was, I was, in, yeah, I was, I was fearful. Obviously, I was fearful because I didn't know what had happened. Yeah. When I got near to the spot where he was actually dying, I didn't actually see his body. Mm. Um, I got to the spot where he'd been shot, but it was just too getting too dark by then because it was it was July. Mm. But there's a big, there's, back then there's a great big canopy of trees, so it blocks out the light, and it was getting very, it was getting dusky, and then to try and speed speed things up, as I'm explaining it. But I remember climbing this little gate, and I was hitting this long grass, yeah. And one of the perpetrators uh, saw me, and oh, he called man. out my name, and yeah. then he walked off, and then the shot went off. But the shot came from where he just walked from, yeah. And I thought at the time, well, later on that, no, I just I basically I just turned and ran because yeah. I got caught in the right arm with a shot. And most of the shot went between my arm and my body. Oh man! And um, I was really, really lucky. But I turned and ran away, and I was waiting to be shot in the back. But by that wow. time, the ambulance had got there, and I saw blue lights flashing, so I knew that was safety to get somewhere blue lights. Yeah. And I ran into the arms of this neighbour, a school teacher at the time. I actually saw him the other day up in the wood. I was doing wow. some fireworks one day, and we keep in touch. But I've known from that night till this day there was at least three people involved but there were more there was definitely more involved than that night mm. who got away through the well, woods and there's stuff come out recently about it all as well well mate I, th I think it's been so difficult for you to, to cope with the whole thing and hopefully there is a positive resolution but i think you know your story is, is fantastic since then what you've done in boxing mma and and the acting and i just you know i really appreciate your time and we'll follow your stories can we follow you online and what you're up to so that people can see see the next steps yeah, I don't really put I'm on Facebook. To be fair, I'm quite private. I don't no, really put much to bottom there, really. But so every yeah. so often I do, I'll put a link up because it gets, you know, social media gets swamped. You know, yeah. I'm, not, I'm not a great fan of social media myself, but it's handy to have it. But, yeah, um, but also following your acting journey as well might be nice yeah, if you go to the States. You know, yeah, exactly. And then um, what I'll do is I'll just put something up and something comes in, just put, put, put a, a post on Facebook and that. Yeah. You know, it will be showed. Yeah, be there. Well, Lee, I really appreciate your time. It's been fantastic. We'll have to catch up again soon, mate, and keep me posted. You've got the numbers, so text me on what you're doing and, and how everything's going with, with not only the, the court case, but also just your, your acting. I'd love to know how it yeah. develops and when you get the next roles as well. Give us a heads up and uh, look yeah. out for you on screen. But thank you, mate. It's a great story. I really appreciate your time. Thank you for having me. Thank you for, yeah, thank you for doing it all, mate. Thank you very much. Powerful stuff from Lee Alice. Uh, obviously, no accusations in there uh, concerning the shooting of his father in 1990. There's a lot of research on the internet you can do about that case and maybe come to your own conclusions about, about the situation, but real powerful to speak to him about that loss of his father, which is hard to imagine and how he's battled back to lead quite an extraordinary life, really, I believe, in, in the boxing game, the MMA game, and the link with that and acting and, and that sort of perception, not only of courage of putting yourself through a challenging situation and, and a situation that lots of us would find uh, just awe inspiring and overwhelming and, and sort of fill us with dread but he's put himself through those and the, the connection between the two that he felt that boxing and MMA was almost a natural lead to acting and putting yourself in front of people but not getting hit in the face it seemed relatively easy to have that sort of extreme judgmental situation where you're putting yourself out there for others to deem whether you're a good enough actor or a right part and to whether you're kind of worthy in a sense for a part so it's 
interesting psychological thing and i wish lee all the best with getting back on his feet we didn't get too much time to talk about it we'll get back on i had to to shoot out at that point but um to talk about the process of, of acting and what the situation for that industry at the moment with the covid pandemic because obviously there's been huge impacts on theater there isn't any theater and whether films and stuff are trying to reboot now and work out a way to do social distancing make television programs so interesting to see how that that bounces back and we all hope it does like we hope all sectors of society bounce back thank you for listening to the podcast hope you are well with everything that's going on health wise with COVID-19 any other ailments you may have and just the stress and anxiety around it as well and the uncertainty over the financial picture for all of us the economy we're kind of all in that together aren't we to a certain extent and some people may be suffering more than others at this stage so i hope you are well thank you for listening to the podcast um <clears throat> thank you as ever to the sponsors who really give me real kind of foot up in a sense of keeping this going in a, a little bit of uh, income and, and belief and an endorsement really so thank you to bang and Olufsen of cheltenham and serene av who are specialists in some of the finest home entertainment brands providing solutions based around high quality customer service and installations. Check out Jason Briggs and his Bang Olufsen of Cheltenham team. B&O Cheltenham, I believe they're on Twitter, social media, and all their videos and cool stuff on Instagram in particular, actually. Some of the promotional stuff's interesting with the headphones. I've got a pair of B&O headphones and fantastic equipment, and they're restoring my late grandfather's 1960s German-bought Bang Olufsen recording equipment. I saw a video of it the other day that's kind of coming along and playing so that's cool uh, so that's bang olufsen cheltenham and remember cytoplan.co.uk if you're looking to optimize your immunity head to cytoplan.co.uk c-y-t-o-p-l-a-m.co.uk and whatever you're looking for you can get a discount of 10 percent with my code draper 10r d-r-a-p-e-r one zero capital letter r and i james golden aka the fitness professional on social media who has been on the podcast a few times talking about fitness and immunity is going to come back on soon he uh, has ordered some omega fish oil from there says he's not recovering quite the way he once was he's just a, a, a year or so older than me so i can get what he feels now a little bit creaky thank you for listening to the podcast guys have a good week uh hoping to get a lawrence acoli the boxer on who's challenging for a world title soon and potentially Lee Hendry, the footballer. We shall see if those come to the wicket, to use a cricketing metaphor. Thanks, and uh, have a good day. Bye for now.